This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor mindsetters, this is incredible. We have been having so much fun over here. So many incredible interviews, and today is absolutely no different. If you haven't, please go over to theinvestormindset.com and join the Insider Club to find out great tips and strategies on mindset and get some behind-the-scenes content you're not going to find anywhere else. If you're loving what we're doing here, make sure to drop a review on iTunes. It helps us reach more people, and let's get into the show. All right. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited. I have Evan Holiday in the uh, in the studio today. How are you doing, Evan? Great, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I am very excited. Evan is a real estate developer and investor who's developed over a thousand units of multifamily real estate. That's a ton of units. LDG development. Evan and his team specialize in creating workforce, affordable, and mixed income communities and revitalizing parts of town and utilizing tax credits to do all of this. Evan is also the host of the top-rated business and real estate podcast, Monumental, and his mission is to become a catalyst in the lives of others, helping them set and reach monumental goals. That's big stuff, Evan. Yeah, man. Making monumental change. I love it, man. We're on the same path, just running parallel. I, exactly. I, just, I can't say. That's so cool. So obviously, you've hit a lot of success, 1,000 units. You're running a huge podcast that's doing amazing things and making an impact in people's lives. But if we start by looking back, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? You know, I think the biggest, the biggest things for me that shaped who I am today and, and you know what I believe in and what I stand for and what I do... Um, I think it really boils down to my parents. Um, I just had some amazing parents. I was blessed with amazing parents. My mom was very entrepreneurial and always had this, this I don't know, contagious energy, contagious spirit about her. And I think that really rubbed off on me. And, and she was always pushing me you know, to, to do whatever I wanted, be whatever I wanted, um, and just be the absolute best at whatever I wanted to be. And... You know, she had started many companies over the years and, you know, I'd been very successful doing many different things and, and did not do the status quo either. You know, she out of she went to college on a music scholarship, dropped out uh, to join a band, traveled the country uh, and then stopped doing that and started a catering company. And then, um, you know, that snowballed into so many other things. And then um, all at the same time, still singing and and uh, and. And then she started a film commission where she brought big name films and big name movie stars into Cincinnati. Um, so she just like one thing after another. And, and unfortunately, um, my mom passed away a few years ago. Uh, so that was a little hard, but that was very hard. But the, the, the thing that really hit home for me uh, out of all that experience was, you know, you only get one life to really make every minute count on this world. And, um, and it was amazing to see at my mom's funeral just how many people came out to her funeral and how many people spoke up and said, you, you know, your mom really made a difference in my life and really, you know, 
had such a positive impact on what we were doing together. Um, you know, she had so many different experiences of that in so many different circles um, because of so many different uh, companies she started and jobs she had and circles that she was in. So that's that's how I've modeled my life a lot after after her and, and my dad and how they've really just instilled with me, you know, go after what you want and, and make it happen and have integrity and, and happiness along the way. That's incredible. That's that's so inspiring. It's it's so fortunate that you had such a supportive family, that you had such a supportive upbringing to kind of go out and and live your dream. So it sounds like you never really felt like like you couldn't go after it. You always had that person, that champion behind you, saying, "Hey, you can do it, Evan." Yeah, and I think that's something that I, I wish everybody had. Um, you know, I, I think that is the difference between um, those that are that are in a less fortunate position, and if they still have that that guidance and that support from you know a mentor or a role model or you know a father figure, mother figure, like that is so important. Um, but yeah, I mean, it you know it, it wasn't always um, you know even with that support, it still can be very tough. Uh, because it is all such a mindset game and, you know, you are playing games in your own mind of, you know, limiting beliefs and different things that slow you down or, or make you think you can't do things. And, you know, I've definitely had my fair share of that. So so when you run into those times, you know, even though you have this champion, you had somebody in the back of your mind saying, hey, you can do it. You can go after anything you believe in. But those thoughts still kind of creep in. Uh, when they do for you, how do you typically handle something like that? Well, um, I think I handled it a few different ways. I mean, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, we all talk to ourselves every day. You know, it happens literally 24-7. You're talking to yourself. And I think the most important thing is to make sure that as, as much as you can control it, that that talk to yourself is pumping yourself up and talking yourself up and telling yourself you can do it, you can go after it, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, and have this can-do attitude instead of a can't-do. And I think it's just, it's it's about constantly being aware of that. First off, being aware, uh, knowing that you're talking to yourself, knowing that you can sometimes be negatively talking to yourself. Um, and then on top of all that, it's it's being surrounded by by positive mindset and positive speak and, you know, educating yourself on on your mindset and your positivity. I mean, that's something I do all the time. I was listening to like a, a uh, Earl Nightingale video, the, the secret, the one secret, I, I forget the name of the video, but... Um, the strangest secret from Earl Nightingale. Yes, exactly. It's about a 30 minute video uh, or audio. And, you know, I just, somebody sent it to me and I've listened to it before, but I was like, well, I've listened to it again because it just gets you so pumped up and, and in that right mindset to be like, you know what, this is my time, my place. Like I can really make a difference. I can really help people. And I think if you're constantly surrounding yourself with that, um, then your self-talk is going to be a hundred times better and, and you're going to put yourself in the places you need to be and surround yourself with the people you need to be surrounded with. Like, like us meeting at best ever. I mean, you know, we just happen to sit at the same table next to each other and meet. And, but that, that comes from both of us just putting ourselves in the right situations. Yeah, it's like when you have the right energy, you're going to attract other people who are going to be like-minded, who are going to be in that same realm. And then when you see them, because you know that's what you're looking for, it's like you're instantly going to feel that connection as if it's like a brotherhood, um, like it's family. You're like, that person believes and thinks what I 
think. So, you know, we obviously need to come into alignment, which, which I think is so awesome. So from, from the investor side, from the business side, tell us a little bit more about what your primary focus is. What is it that you're working on these days? Yeah. So my specialty, my niche is really been uh, workforce affordable housing. Uh, so we're helping families that middle income range uh, and we're utilizing tax credits. We're us- utilizing public private partnerships to make these deals happen. Um, so we use tax credits, we use tax exempt bonds, we use tax abatements. Um, you know, we use whatever financing tools that are out there from the city, the county, the state, and even the federal government um, to make these developments happen. And we're filling the need for um, cities as they're growing. And, and, you know, I'm sure anybody that's in real estate sees and understands that there's a huge need for that middle income workforce, even all the way down to lower income housing. And everybody that's building new is building high income luxury housing, you know, these um, high end rental apartments. And also at the same end, you have value add investors um, that are fixing fixing up existing affordable rents. And, and by adding that value are being able to charge more rent. So it's basically squeezing out the middle to lower income in a lot of places. So these cities are desperate for workforce affordable housing. And so that's kind of the niche that we've found where we can provide a a desperate need of the city. And a lot of times it can be even a crisis. We've had cities that call us, be like, look, we got a problem. You know, how quickly can you guys do a development here? Um, and, And it just kind of you know, it turns it the whole development process on its head when you have people reaching out saying we have a need. So, um, so yeah, that, that's really what we focus on is, is helping cities and providing a need for these families that are workforce and affordable housing. I'm so curious here because what I always hear when I think of new development is that it's not possible to build anything new that could be affordable because the cost of permitting so high because of the cost of materials. And so the only thing you can build is, you know, a class units. Are you telling me you guys have figured out a different way? Uh, we have. So, so, uh, in 1986, the community reinvestment act, federal government, they basically, they decided at the federal level that banks cannot be redlining certain neighborhoods and, you know, cutting those neighborhoods out from investment. So they figured out a way that they could benefit these neighborhoods by creating a tax credit at the federal level. These credits go to the state housing agencies and the state housing agencies then decide which projects to fund with tax credits. So those tax credits help cover the difference because we're not getting the market rate rents. So it can't necessarily justify the market, you know, the same loan that we need for the, you know, it costs the same amount to build our product versus a market rate product. So you have to figure out how to fill that gap without the the market rate rents. So that's where the tax credits come in to fill that gap. So we roughly pay on our developments. We, it, of the total development cost, we have about 30 to 40% is covered with tax credits that we then syndicate and um, basically sold off to banks or investors or insurance companies. Usually um, those with CRA need the Community Reinvestment Act where they need to invest in lower income neighborhoods or um, you know, economically motivated investors that are, um, that are looking for that tax credit on their tax returns because it's basically a dollar for dollar write-off on their credits or on their taxes. Um, and we'll typically, on a 200-unit project that we typically do, we'll see 10 to 15 million in tax credits. Wow. So you're not only, the government's not only helping you pay for 20 to 30% of the project, they're actually giving you additional tax benefits to anybody who invests in those kind of deals? 
Yeah, that is the way that they help us pay for it. Um, they will give us the credits, and then we'll turn around and sell the credits for oh, equity investment okay. in the in the deal. Mm. So in turn, we we turn around, and sell the credits. That is equal to ten to fifteen million in equity that we now have for our project, and that's equity that we wouldn't normally get on you know this um, because we're achieving much lower rents. Uh, so that helps us fill our gap and helps fund the the total development. Interesting. So it's like you get to go out and do development, new development. You get to go and build a new product. You get to do something that you care about and make good money doing it, but it's actually doing good in the world. That's that's really cool, Evan. I I feel like not not everybody gets a chance to to kind of go down a path like that. How did you end up deciding to to jump into that space? Uh it's it's an interesting story. It's a, it's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. It was basically I was in college. Um, you know, I, I found out about real estate because there was a big $55 million mixed-use development going in on campus. I went to University of Louisville, and I was like, man, I don't know what's going on there, but I, I want to be a part of it. Um, so I, I figured out a way to get a hold of the owner and ended up being the first one he hired there and just learned the business you know, frontwards and backwards um, at that development and then started a, a modular development company with uh, myself and four others. And we ended up building some of these uh, modular housing units and did single family. And then we're like, well, let's scale up to multifamily. And that's when I partnered with LDG Development. Um, and, and really in the modular process, when we were going through that, we're like, well, well how can we um, you know, provide energy efficient, sustainable housing options do it cost effectively, um, you know, build it time efficiently by building it offsite in the, in the same factories as these houseboats that were being built in Kentucky. Um, we use the same layout, same buildings, same workers. Um, so we, we use that model and we're like, well, how can we also provide a mix of housing types, a mix of, of housing for um, every income level? So we had market rate, we had middle income, we had low income, and we had all the way down to um, you know really helping out the permanently disabled. So we were serving every income class and every demographic we we could in these developments. So that's what really piqued my interest. I was like, man, like you're telling me I can do development, do real estate development, do what I love, and I can help people and serve a need. I was like, well, that that's it. That's what I want to do. And and so that's when in you know, pushing forward on our modular development, looking for partners, we found LDG Development, and and I've been with LDG Development ever since. So, what made you think that you could go out and create something on your own like this, and that you didn't just have to go work for somebody else right off the bat? I knew what I wanted. Uh, I knew what what need that I you know. I, for me, it was it was thinking about like, well, what what am I serving? Who am I serving? And when I knew that I wanted to be doing that, the only possible route was for me to do it on my own and because it just didn't exist. Um, so that, that's really how it started. And, and, you know, I just knew that doing this modular development was exactly what I needed to be doing. I love that. That's so cool. So you didn't, you never had this thought of, well, I can't do this. You didn't have a limiting belief saying, um, mm, no, it's not possible for me to kind of go down this route and do this thing. And so I think everyone who's listening can really take something away there. You know, when you let those, those thoughts creep in, they can start to control you. And so if you, if you catch them when they're small, 
before they've really taken root, it's a lot easier to pull them out. Now, even if you have those thoughts right now, you can still chip away at it and chop that that uh, limiting belief down, but uh, catch it when it's when it's just a little tiny baby or before it even happens. Yeah, and I think uh, it's funny because you know we were doing this, and it, I, we were 21, 22 at the time, and we had so many people saying, you know, well, well, how old are you guys? Why are you doing this? What like do you guys really believe you can do this? It it, it was just a lot of people that were pushing back and saying, well, you know, I don't think you can get it done, but good luck. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you ended up pushing on because obviously you're doing great things in the world and it's enabling you to kind of go after your dream. So talk to me a little bit about some challenges that you've ran into. I know we were talking about a deal in Lafayette that took a really long time to come together. Um, walk us through that story a little bit and how you yeah. overcame it. Yeah, so uh, we ended up closing on this deal about six months ago. But before that, we had we had more or less worked on that deal for over four years and it had gone through so many ups and downs and it was it was literally out of contract for a year and it finally somehow some way came back and we ended up getting it closed it's now under construction um, but yes 192 units so that that through a roundabout way we had we had been awarded um, tax credits um, all the funding we needed to get the development done on the first site and then through that process found out that there was a title issue on that land moved it across the street, and then the councilman for that district basically put a whole overlay district over 700 acres. Our site was right in the middle and said no multifamily, even though we were zoned for multifamily. And so we're like, well, okay, that that's not going to work. We can't work with that councilman anymore. Um, so we were looking for other opportunities in that city, that same market, where we could still serve the huge need that they had, um, but yet be able to actually build our development and not be, you know, what we call nimbied out, um, not my backyard. Uh, so we finally found a council member that supported it, that understood the need and really got behind what we were doing. Um, so we had that site under contract. It was right behind a Walmart Supercenter, great site. And in that process, the basically the, the market softened, the rent softened because it is, you know, a little dependent on the oil market, at least at the time it was. And so in that process, we ended up trying to get more funding, trying to get a tax abatement. You know, we, we were exhausting every option. I probably worked on that deal longer than I should have. Um, and, but eventually, about a year ago, we were like, well, you know what? Like, we've tried every option. We just cannot make the numbers work. You know, we're going to have to call it quits on this one, just pull the plug. And if it's meant to be, it'll come back to us. So that was about a year ago. And then, um, you know, maybe six, eight months go by, and then all of a sudden... Um, we get a call from one of our investors who we've worked with many times before, and they're telling us, they're like, hey, do you still have that deal in Lafayette? We're like, no, but you know, if, if the right investor comes along and they can pay the right amount, uh, then yeah, we could definitely resurrect that one. And they're like, well, we found, we found a bank that needs tax credits in their backyard because of the CRA Act. You know, they're desperate to look for credits in their own market. And so that's when we found the right partner they came up with the right number that we needed to make the numbers work and get the deal closed. And within a matter of like three months, um, we went from having no deal, not under contract, to resurrecting it, getting it all reapproved, um, getting everything in place and closing it before the year end. So that was that was a pretty wild one and, and just so thankful that that thing got done. And I think the, the biggest takeaways are that, you know, it's it comes down to, you know, not giving up, but also knowing 
um, knowing when to let things go and knowing that they may end up coming back. Um, and then, and then just being able to work on many different deals. So that way in the end, you know, you'll have some that'll hit right away. You'll have some that'll hit in three to four years. You'll have some that will go out of contract and will never come back. Or you'll have some that'll go out of contract and will come back in four years. You know, it's, there's, there's just so many different things that, um, you can learn from every deal really. And how do you know when it's something that you should just walk away from? That's, that's tough because I, I feel like um, I and probably most other uh, successful entrepreneurs out there, people that don't like to give up. Um, and, and that was the case on this deal. I mean, I worked on that for like three years and it was like dead the entire time, but I just kept pushing. I was like, no, there's got to be a way. We get a tax baby and we'll get a partner that can, you know, put the funding in we need. And eventually I was just like, you know what? I've literally done everything. I probably, I probably flew down to Lafayette like 30 times, no joke, in the last like three years. And uh, so at that point I was like, you know what? Like I've put everything I have into this and you know, it wasn't for me not trying. So that was kind of the mindset I had. I was like, well, I put everything I had into it and I, and I, brought in all the partners that I thought could possibly get it done. And unfortunately, we just couldn't get it done. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. there's only so much that you can do. Um, and you have to be okay with that, knowing that some things are just out of your control. So you did everything you possibly could. You kept trying, you kept trying, you kept pushing. And then eventually you decided, hey, I'm going to let up. And then things kind of just flowed the way they were meant to. It's funny how that happens. I don't know. You're probably a lot like me, Evan, where I just like to just push and push and I'm going to make it happen. And usually that works. That's probably one of the big reasons why I feel like I've been able to be successful. And so it's really hard for me to be able to just say, you know what? It wasn't, this isn't meant to happen or to just kind of like, quote unquote, give up or feel like it's a failure. Usually I don't really call things failures. When you were at that point, I mean, I'm sure after spending three years on something and flying out there 30 times, it felt like a failure. Yeah, no, it did. I mean, I still have deals. I look back on, I'm like, man, I wish I would have got that one or, you know, but I, I think the, the biggest thing is just knowing that everything you're doing is just adding to, a, to your life's resume and everything you're doing is, is making you uh, a better person because of it. Um, you know, the, some of the deals we didn't close were the ones that I learned the most on and it, and it ended up protecting me on the next 10 deals, you know? So I think that's the mindset you have to take is that sometimes the best deal you do is the one you don't do. And that ends up saving you so much more on the next 10 deals that, you know, it, it's just having that mindset of, of constantly learning. I feel like another big takeaway from your story, Evan, is that uh, you want to have a lot of irons in the fire. In other words, you want to have a number of different paths that you're working on simultaneously. You know, in this case, it happens to be multifamily deals, but it could be anything. Um, but by having all of those deals going on at the same time, by having these other options, you didn't feel like like this was the only option, like this was the only way for you to succeed. That way you didn't get to a place of desperation where you try to put a deal together that wasn't going to work because I think a lot of people run into that. And I sometimes uh, think to myself, well, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in focus, you know, do your one thing and do it well. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't do one thing and have multiple different strings exactly. off of that that one purpose. Exactly, and and. The way we operate is, I mean, I've already got my 2020 pipeline 
mostly filled up. Um, because development takes can take anywhere between one to three years for these projects. Um, you know, I'm already I'm already looking at 2021 right now and what kind of deals I'm going to be doing then. Just knowing that you know you need to plant seeds now. You need to be talking to landowners, council people um, to get those sites tied up now in order to be able to have them rezoned and, and financed and permitted two to three years from now. So that's something where I'm constantly thinking about the future while also closing the deals that are imminently weeks away. Yeah. Where, where do you get that patience from to be planning something <laughs> for 2023? Uh, man, it's hard. Um, I came into this business very naive and I was like, man, I'm going to get a deal closed in like six months. And I was like, oh, that's that's not how this works. That's That's just... You know, you can push deals, and, and if you have certain circumstances, they can go a lot more quickly. Uh, and my first deal I closed was was done in 12 months. Um, but all, all the partners were like, like, don't get used to that. That's, that's not normal at all. Um, because it, it just, there's so many hurdles you have to go through, so many approvals you have to go through, so many sign-offs. Um, and people putting up a lot of money and they, they want to make sure every single box is checked before you get that money. So um, I think it's just, it's having that mindset of knowing that you are working on a lot of deals. And I think if you have a lot of irons in the fire, then you're going to be plenty busy to be working on deals you're closing now. And then also having that excitement of signing up new deals, but knowing that, you know, you're just pushing them 1% every day. And then you know you're thirty percent better in a month and three hundred and sixty five percent better in a, a year. I mean, it just taking little baby steps forward every day can go a long way to getting these things done. Yeah. What advice would you have to somebody who is going to start kind of down the same path that you're on right now? Um, you know, obviously you've been doing it for a little while. Looking back, what would you want to share with somebody? Um, I would say, I would say the first thing would be find a mentor, uh, find somebody that's done it before, uh, that you can add value to, and that, that you can learn from. Take them out to lunch, offer to buy their lunch. Um, you know, I'm in Nashville if anybody wants to take me out to lunch. Um, and and I, I think just uh, learning from them, soaking up anything you can along the way, um, immersing yourself in a specific industry, whatever it is, like this is very specific industry, workforce, affordable housing with tax credits. You know, there's really not a lot of education out there, um, not readily available. So I think if you really want to get into this, just start asking questions from anybody that you know that's already doing something and they are at where you would like to be one day. And what are some of the ways that people can add value? Because I think sometimes when you're just starting out, you you think, hey, I don't really know what skills that I have or what areas that I could help somebody else. I mean, these guys are professionals, they're pros. What do they need someone like me for? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, um, you know, I have a I have a, a mentor here in Nashville, and and um, he's working on a big hundred million dollar you know mixed use development, and and I I'm fortunate I get to learn from him all the time. And um, but the things that that where I add value to him is you know he doesn't know as much about tax credits, so I'm explaining how tax credits work. You know, it's it's certain things that he's interested in that I know more of that I can educate him on. And then even like, even as simple as, and, and this is definitely something where uh, a lot of, you know, younger audience may, may understand and know this is um, the digital world. So I, so I showed him one of our investor packages and he was just amazed. He was like mind blown at 
how nice it looked and how clean it looked and how well the marketing was put together. And, you know, I, I, um, and I, I don't do that, but I, I know how to do it. Um, so I just, I, I kind of educated him on, on how to put together the marketing, how to make it look nice, you know, what software to use, um, what tools to use. And so he immediately started using that for his investment packages. So it's things like that where like I'm adding value to him. I'm teaching him about digital marketing. I'm teaching him about, you know, even some social media. And that's something where people our age may have a better grasp of that than, than people that would be in the mentor role. Um, and that's areas where, you know, if they're looking to grow their business in that direction, um, then you can definitely add value. I think that's so important. So the way that I started my career was I went and found somebody else and I traded my skill of knowing how to build websites. I wasn't building them, but I knew where to go and get it outsourced and how to do it. Yeah. And to build, you know, a ten or fifteen thousand dollar website cost me a lot less. But that's what I was charging. And uh I was able to add a lot of value so that I could be able to go and follow that person around. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, I want to go down this a path like this could be something completely different. You know, don't let that little voice in your head creep in and say, I don't have any value to add. Um, I put out a post recently uh, looking for a digital marketing manager because we're growing like crazy with the podcast and with the business. And there's so many different uh, opportunities that we're not taking advantage of. And what was so amazing was somebody had listened to the Bigger Pockets episode and they had reached out and they offered exactly what I was looking for. It was like, down to a T. It was so cool. Um, but it's just a reminder that, you know, hey, it's it's worth sending that email. It's worth sending that text message because you never know what is going to happen from it. And I've got a list of people who've reached out and I've helped them in some way and they've helped me. And, you know, it's totally beneficial because even for me, accepting that help and letting that person learn from me, if fills me up inside when that for when when you know one of them got their first deal under contract and I was like oh god that feels so cool to be a part of that yeah you know? exactly so you're a pretty successful guy what uh, what are some of the keystone habits the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that make a big impact in your life uh, that's there's a few habits I have that I, I try to do pretty consistently and I'd say the biggest one honestly is um, I'd say first off, what we said earlier, self self talk. That's huge. That's that's more or less just a, a thing that you, everybody should be doing all day long. Um, but but above and beyond that, it's it's daily meditation. That's something I do every morning, ten to fifteen minutes every morning, um, and that's helped me tremendously. I've done that the last three years, and it's just literally changes the way I think, the way I act. It's lowered my stress. Uh, it's really amazing. Um, and then on top of that, reading. I, I freaking love reading. I get so much out of it. I was just telling uh, my coach the other day, I was, like, I was like, every time I read a book, I feel like a new person. And it just literally transforms the way I think, the way I act, the way I do, um, just by reading and, and gathering that knowledge and then having that have an impact on my life. Wow. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Nothing like a good book to yes. change your mindset I love it. on a day-to-day basis. So we've made it to one of my favorite parts of the show, the growth rapid fire round, where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So let's jump right into it. What's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're really excited about right now? Uh, well, I'm reading right now, I'm reading uh, Principles by, uh, by Ray Dalio. Mm. And I'm about 50 pages in. I love that book so far. 
Um, also just read read Skyscraper Dreams, which is a probably very lesser known book. Uh, it was written in like 93, but it's about all the builder developers in New York City over the last 125 years. And it was just such a cool book. Like I, I literally woke up excited every morning. I was like, yeah, I'm up. I get to read Skyscraper Dreams. You know, it's just like learning about how these guys and their families went from literally nothing. Like some of them were um, like from Russia um, and had been persecuted uh, Jewish families and were like, well, we have a better life, better opportunity in um, in the U.S. And they came with nothing. And all of a sudden, within one generation, they're literally building the skyline of, of the biggest city in the United States. And so that was just like mind blowing to me. I was like, well, that's that's the same mentality I want to have is like literally anything is possible and I want to be building skyscrapers one day. So that just put me in a, a great mood of like, you know, this this really can be done. And these are the guys that have literally built the city that um, is New York City. That's so cool. I will definitely have to check that out. And for anyone who hasn't heard of Principles by Ray Dalio, definitely give a big endorsement on that one. A little bit about Ray Dalio, he was, he's one of the most successful hedge fund managers in history. But what's really interesting is just the way that he thinks. And so what he's actually done over, you know, the last 20, 30 years of his career, he's actually written down everything that he's learned every time he's made a mistake. And he's created this set of principles, which is what their entire company was uh, run by, but he wrote them down and published them in a book so that everyone who came after him could follow them moving forward. And it's really about this idea of creating your own life principles. And uh, I can't wait for you to dive deeper into it. It's a big book. It takes a little while to get through it, um, but there's some good value in there. So from a purpose perspective, why do you do what you do? I think the biggest thing is I, I just want to leave this world a better place um, than when I came here. I think I, I just, I feel a responsibility um, to just make an impact in other people's lives and, and make it so that everybody can get the same opportunities I had um, growing up and, and, you know, and be loved by all. I, I think that's, that's one thing. I mean, if you think about one thing that ties everything together, I think it is love and loving each other and caring about each other. Um, so I, I think that's something that I want to impart on others and, and give to others. I love that. That's amazing. So from an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors and how do they influence your career? Man, um, I have a, a, quite a few mentors and, and you know role models that I look up to. Um, you know, one of them is uh, is um, Grant Cardone. I love Grant. Um, gonna do a deal with him one day. We'll we'll uh, we'll make that happen. Shout out to Grant Cardone. Would love to have you on the Investor Mindset Podcast. If anybody can make an introduction, <laughs> vice versa. Let's yes. get Evan and Monumental exactly uh, with with Grant. So, um, but yeah, I mean it, Grant Cardone and his wife Elena. I mean, I, Jeanette and I. Jeanette's my girlfriend partner. Um, you know, we uh -huh. really look up to them because they're they're living their best life. They're impacting millions of people. They're on the way to being billionaires and having you know impact on billions of people's lives. And they're doing it through real estate. They're doing it through education. They're doing it through empowerment. Um, I mean, that is, you know, my that's that is my mo is is living that same life and serving that many other people. That's awesome. That's really inspirational. 
So what drives you to live your best life every day? I think it's just about, um, you know, providing the best life for, for my family and, and Jeanette and, and, um, and also just, you know, I want to, I want to make my mom proud. I want to, I want to, you know, I know she's watching over me, so I want to make sure that, you know, I really have the best impact I can have. Well, I feel like you're making her proud every day. Sounds like you're doing amazing things and helping some amazing people. So thank you so much for being on the Investor Mindset Podcast. Where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Yeah, um, so website is evanholiday.com. And uh, I'd say probably the best way to get in touch with me, I'm active on Instagram, just at evanholiday, spelled H-O-L-L-A-D-A-Y. And also a podcast, like you mentioned, Monumental Podcast, uh, which... Steven is about to be on, so that's exciting. Um, but yeah, that's that's the best place to reach me. That's awesome. And we will link all of that in the show notes. Uh, so jump on to theinvestormindset.com and join the Insider Club for tips and tricks and some more information on Evan Holiday. So thanks for being on the show. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it, yes, buddy. Yes, love it. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 